Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am the Bear of Texas, and let's proudly welcome back the fiercely opinioned Mr. Josh McSwain. Josh, it's been a while since you've been on this show. Certainly has, but I'm glad to be back. Because uh, I know you've been on uh, my other show, uh, Internet FC, but I think that since the playoffs are about to start, I think this is the perfect moment to finally bring you back. Definitely lots to talk about. Uh-huh. So I know that obviously our plan is to talk about how the Cowboys once again embarrass themselves against Washington and, of course, what what's going to go on uh, as they go into their game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. But I know that there's a couple of things surrounding the NFL overall that you wish to address. Am I correct? There sure is. All right. Well, have at it, my friend. Well, this might be jumping the shark just a little bit, but I think that this is definitely not the end for Tom Brady. However, I will. I do think it'll be the end in uh, for him in Tampa. I think his contract is running out. What he's going to do, he's either going to end up in San Francisco or in Las Vegas. Here's why. (laughs) I mean, think about it. He's a California kid. He grew up rooting for the 49ers. I'm saying if the 49ers don't win the Super Bowl this year, he is going to go balls to the wall trying trying to get them to sign him. And I think it would be plausible for them to do it. Because San Francisco has a championship-level roster at just about every other position. So, I know a lot of teams have gone to Tom Brady to ring chase. I think the 49ers might try to bring him into ring chase this time. You, The NFL means not for long. And, of course, the 49ers have to know they can't keep all of the guys that they have currently on their team forever because some of them are going to either move on for more money or retire or everything. So if they don't win it all this year, you kind of got to give it one shot. And, you know, this is not a slight to Brock Purdy, who's obviously played well this (laughs) year, but, you know, he's about to get his first taste of playoff action and, you know, we'll see what he's got. I think the 49ers are capable of winning with him, but you know, you never know. And of course I said from the start of the season that I didn't think the organization trusted Trey Lance. And now it just looks like a major egg on their heads that they sent so much draft capital away to get him. And he will have gone three years and only made a handful of starts. I thought it was not a good choice to begin with. And now it might look even worse, but if they do win the Super Bowl this year, I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch would probably be more content just to say, yeah, you know what? We'll give Trey Lance some more time to develop. And if he just can't do it, then we'll just keep rolling with Brock because he's probably, well, you know, he'd be a fan favorite if he delivers a Super Bowl. But Obviously. Yeah. It might be a situation uh, where, you know, the young guy, like in Seattle, where Russell Wilson came in, took over, and then, you know, the guy they invested so much in might get shipped away. Obviously, Seattle <laughs> shipped away Matt Flynn, and maybe they'd ship away Lance. They might only get a fourth-round pick for him, but, you know, it's 
all that's sort of speculative, but let's say the Niners do win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think the 49ers would be as interested in Brady, in which case he probably just goes to Vegas to be under Josh McDaniels again, and then he probably signs a two-year deal, plays those two years, and then he hangs it up. So well, as far as, as far as San Francisco goes, uh, I mean, we all know uh, we've seen the end of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, up in the Bay Area. So they'll definitely sure. – I mean, there's two things as far as Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo goes. Number one, I mean, are any teams even going to take a chance on him because he just can't stop getting hurt? Number two, I mean, where could he possibly go? I mean, I'm sure there's probably a few teams where he can get a, a starting, jo- a starting job uh, – uh, off the top of my head, I'm not entirely sure which team. Uh, maybe, maybe oh, Tampa. If, if Tom Brady, well, if Tom Brady goes to Tampa, I'd imagine Tampa would love to get get, get Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm going to throw uh-huh. out the New York Jets because Robert Sala was the DC in San Francisco. He's now the head coach for the Jets, and well, the Jets have been looking for a quarterback for quite a while, and I mean. Obviously, Jimmy G would be a stopgap trying to get the next guy in there because, let's face it, the Jets don't believe in Zach Wilson. Mike White is not the answer. He he, pro- he looks like a decent player, might be a good backup to have, but you're obviously not going to look for him to be the guy leading you forward. And obviously, Joe Flacco is just a, a guy at the end of his career and might be a solid number two guy, but obviously not the guy you want to hitch your wagon to. So I think with Jimmy G, if he were to stay healthy in New York, they might be able to compete. But obviously, it's not going to be a long-term answer. There are going to be other quarterbacks that could be available in the free agent market, like Baker Mayfield, or maybe even Gardner Minshew, guys who've had success in the past. and. I think those guys could also find new homes. The only thing might be with Baker Mayfield, if Matthew Stafford were to retire, and of course this is all speculation on my part, but if you're Matthew Stafford and your elbow is not exactly right, I wonder if he might hang it up. Again, not saying he will. It's just kind of my hypothetical thought process. He decides to hang it up. He's like, hey, I've had a good career. I got a Super Bowl ring. I don't want to risk damaging my body any further. Right off into the sunset, maybe the Rams would keep Mayfield. Of course, then you also have the Sean McVay question. There have been reports recently of wondering if he'll step away. So, obviously, like all off seasons, lots of questions coming in. We're just going to have to wait and see. But let's enjoy the playoffs first. Well, speaking of the playoffs, I mean, uh, well, before we get too deep into the Cowboys, I mean, we got the Chargers versus the Jaguars. I mean, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, definitely a, a plethora. You know, the fact of the matter is the Cowboys play on, on Monday Night Football in the playoffs. How about that? Yeah, this is definitely a new phenomenon and one that's quite interesting to me. But I think the NFL is overjoyed that they get this opportunity because you've got America's team and you've got the GOAT going against each other. It's going to be just like ratings gold for the NFL. 
obviously. We got Buffalo versus uh, Miami, I believe. Yeah, I think that's the one Eastern time on Sunday. I think the first two games are the Niners and the Seahawks and then the the Chargers and Jags on Saturday, if I'm if I remember right. Yeah. All I can say is thank God there's a Twin Peaks right by where I live. Yep, you're gonna be there all day. Well, maybe not all day, but Gonna be there quite often. Right on it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So I was right. It's Hawks and Niners to open the action Saturday, followed by Chargers Jags. And then Sunday, we've got Dolphins Bills, followed by Giants Vikings, capped off with Ravens Bengals. And then obviously, you got the Monday night. Boys and Bucks. Yeah. So now that we get the scenario, since we don't want to get too deep in the playoffs, uh, speaking of our Cowboys, well, my Cowboys, rather. Uh, well, you know, I think we, before we get that, since uh, you're a Texans fan, uh, I'd imagine you're pretty upset that Houston, by winning their game, they relinquished the rights to their one overall pick. So I'd imagine you're pretty upset about it. To be honest, I'm kind of ambivalent about it it's like yeah the number one overall pick might have been nice but i'm truly not convinced on bryce young who everybody was saying that he would be the guy that the texans would take and it might make some sense they draft the texans drafted john mechie last year obviously was out this year with leukemia but he should be back, and maybe that connection comes back. Obviously, Brandon Cooks has said that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, and I mean, I don't blame the guy. He's he's had some successful years, and obviously he's been around a bit. He may want to go to a place where he can try and win. So, I mean, I don't blame him. The thing with me and Bryce Young is we haven't seen a lot of sustained success out of these Alabama quarterbacks that have come out during the Saban era. I mean, think about it. Got A.J. McCarron and Tua. Well, we've seen some flashes out of Tua, but obviously he's not been a sustained talent. Jalen Hurts played most of his career at Bama, and he's obviously had a great year this year. He's going to be a top candidate for MVP, but you know, these these guys that have one great year, I mean, obviously remember Carson Wentz. He had a great MVP caliber season in 2017, and I get it. He kind of got hurt, and maybe he never was exactly the same after that, but my point is We've seen quarterbacks flash in the pan before, and then they just aren't the same after that. So this is not meant to be an insult to Hurts, who's had a great year, but let's not put him on the same level as top guys like Mahomes, Allen, those guys whom we've seen year in, year out doing it. I obviously think Hurts can still be a very successful long-term quarterback, but, yeah, let's just – Sort of wait and see. 
That's all I'm saying. So back to Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterbacks, considering all of the wide receiver talent that they produce, I'm just a little skeptical that they'll replicate it in the NFL. And then you have C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterbacks, from what I can tell, have been even less than the Alabama quarterbacks. I mean, just coming off recent memory, I can think of Troy Smith, J.T. Barrett, Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins, these guys who came out of Ohio State, and they really didn't have any pro success. Obviously, with the late Haskins, his accident obviously cut his time short. So I know that's kind of an exception, but you really see what I'm getting at. Sometimes these big program quarterbacks, when they're surrounded by all this elite talent, it doesn't translate when you get to the next level, and that same talent is not there. So... You've got another guy, Will Levis, out of Kentucky, whom some scouts have thought he's really great. He's kind of been a little bit less consistent, but obviously the talent at Kentucky is not quite the same. I still think he could be a pretty successful NFL quarterback. So all this stuff with the Texans, the point is, I'm not too upset over losing the number one pick because I don't think that there's a slam dunk number one overall guy that they're going to miss out on. If you look at who is the best prospect coming out, it's probably either Jalen Carter, the D tackle from Georgia or Will Anderson, the DN from Alabama. Hmm. I know we've seen guys picked, well, defensive guys, I should say, picked very high in previous years, but obviously the NFL has positional bias towards quarterbacks. So I would wager that a quarterback will probably go number one just because of the demand, even if their overall prospects are better at other positions. It leaves the bears in a little bit of an interesting situation because they definitely need help on the defensive line. And they have a quarterback in Justin Fields who looked brilliant at times this season. So I would think that the Bears are going to stand pat and take a D lineman with the top pick. Now, obviously, there's a lot still to be determined between now and then. But that's just my inclination right now. So the Texans losing out on the number one overall pick, I don't think it really is that big of a downgrade. In fact, if I'm Nick Casario, I might look to trade down just because this roster has so many holes. If I'm sitting there thinking I could still get Will Levis at five or something like that, try and trade down and pick up you know, extra picks in the second or third round later. And obviously their new head coaching hire is going to play something into this as well. They're just churning through coaches like underwear right now. 
Huh. That's interesting. The Bears training down. I mean, you, you never know, you never know what could happen, but yeah, the Bears got to build around J- Justin Fields. But anyway, I think as far as the pl- of our the regular playoff talk, we're, we're good with that. But uh, now specifically the Cowboys, I got to be honest with you. Seeing the Cowboys just be absolutely embarrassed by Washington, I mean, I'm just like, at the end of the day, I'm just kind of like, eh, well, it's the Cowboys. I mean, you never know where they could just, you know, totally crap the bed and make a complete fools of themselves. They do it every year, but, you know, the fact that they, they lost to, you know, a quarterback who had never even played. This was his debut for Sam uh, Sam Howell, I believe the, the name is, and then yep. Dak Prescott looking absolutely awful. I mean, the interception habit has continued. The running game was completely ghosted. I mean, I think both Elliott and, and Pollard, both you know, both at 19 yards only. I mean, the whole team was just an absolute disaster. And how they finished like this, and now they go in the playoffs, you know, as like the fifth seed, or the uh, I think the fifth seed. Yeah, they're yeah, the fifth seed. Right now, I don't even know how the hell Dallas can even pull it off. Now, I know this is one of my typical rants that I know that I you've probably rolled your eyes so many times. This is probably going to make you roll your eyes even more. But look, yeah, I'm going to say right off the bat, I can't see Dallas beating Tampa. I just can't. Yeah, it's a very peculiar situation because all year we've seen Tampa Bay have issues with their offensive line. Even in week one, we thought their offensive line was going to be problematic, but that didn't stop Dallas from looking just terrible on offense as the Buccaneers won. Still, you just look at other games Tampa played this season where their offense was just putrid most of the game. Think about their game against the Saints on Monday night football. It was a borderline miracle they pulled that one out at the end. And then you look at their Christmas Day game at Arizona again. They're just awful. But the thing is, it seems like Brady, while he's not what he used to be, he still can kind of pull it out on demand sometimes. It is what it is. And I'm thinking, do you want to go face this guy in a playoff game? Yeah, I get it. The Buccaneers are an 8-9 and nine team, but do that at your own risk. Well, here's the news flash. Tom Brady has never lost to Dallas. That is true. He is not. But I think if Parsons, Lawrence, and company, if they have absolutely the games of their lives, I think Dallas could have a chance to pull this off. But it kind of seemed throughout the year that those two guys and the whole Dallas pass rush in particular kind of had peaks and valleys. Like there were games where they looked unstoppable and then games where it looked like they just weren't quite all there. It's really confusing. Dallas defense has been awful like the last couple of weeks. I mean, first part of the season, we see a Dallas defense that was always billing out the horrendous offense. The last couple of weeks, the Cowboys defense has just been absolutely like a, a complete shell, a, a complete opposite. I mean, the pass rush has, has been gone. The secondary has been has been getting torched. I mean, I don't know what the heck's going on. But as far as the offense goes, it doesn't surprise me because then again, you know, there's a guy that I don't like at all, Kellen Moore, calling the plays. So 
I mean, there's just so many causes for concerns as far as the as, as far as the Cowboys goes. I mean, on offense, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, some all these interceptions. I mean, mind you, Prescott didn't even play a full season, and his 15 uh, interceptions in the regular season, Josh, th- that's a career high. So there's that. I mean. You know, Tyler uh, Biotic, uh, the center that got hurt, I believe, against Philadelphia, or I believe it might have been against Tennessee. I mean, that injury might have a significant impact. So, Certainly. I mean, yeah. Again, I mean, even if people insist that Dallas can still win, I mean, maybe they can. I mean, maybe whatever. But, I mean, if you really believe that they'll win, I'm not really going to call you out on it. I mean, unless, of course, your reasons don't make sense. But this is not what we're about right here. I can just – all I can say is, fine, I'll believe it when I see it. And – if you really and all those people that don't like me, if you really want me to to shut my mouth, make it to the NFC Championship. But, but uh, honestly, realistically speaking, I'm just not sure. I mean, what you what you said is right that that's what it takes. But, you know, of course, Jerry Jones goes out on the radio and says that he's got he's really confident the team will will turn will turn it around. I mean, he said that a year ago. I'm sure he said that all the time when the Cowboys are in a bad situation. I get it; it's his team. He's got to have. He's got to. Have faith in, in the boys, you know, be op, be uh, optimistic about it. But let's be honest, the Cowboys have not been a good team. Because, again, like last year, I asked ourselves, who did the Cowboys actually beat this year? <laughs> well, well some, they did beat some, the Eagles once. But, yeah, Minshew but, was starting. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, Hurts wasn't there. And then they said, well, we beat the Vikings. I'm like. Okay, I mean, I mean, yeah, but based on how the Vikings finished the season, are, are, are they as good as everybody likes to say they are, or are they just like, much like the Cowboys, vastly overrated as they as they always have been? It's amazing to me that the Vikings won thirteen games. I'm pretty sure they went thirteen and four, and had a negative point differential. How does that even happen? Like, I just. I think I think the, the the home loss to the Cowboys, the forty to three loss, might be part of it. And oh, I think it the way they pretty and, big part. I was kind of being rhetorical there. Obviously, yeah, they lost I mean, badly it, in Philadelphia, and then they lost badly to Green Bay a couple. Yeah, weeks I, I ago. think those are the games because you know, uh, you know, of course, I, I know in your case it was rhetorical, but for those people that are listening, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, some of them do need the reminder, and I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. And you know, moreover, the Vikings were 11-0 and in one-score games this year, which is insane, if I'm being honest. But, you know, we can talk more about that later. About. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, for, uh, I've already seen a prediction that they believe that Dallas and Minnesota needs, is going to meet one more time in the playoffs. And if it's, in, if, it, if it's once again in Minneapolis, yeah, obviously uh, – Obviously, the Vikings are going to be hell-bent on revenge, but when the Cowboys beat Minnesota, I mean, you know, and Kirk Cousins got sacked, you know, numerous times, you know, had all the turnovers, and I said, this is nothing new to me because the Cowboys' defense, they have a long traditional history of picking on Kirk Cousins. I mean, this goes way back to when Kirk Cousins was in Washington. True, very true. But, But right now, honestly, going back, I mean, now that you look at it, I mean, Yes, like who who the who did the Cowboys actually beat? I mean, like you say, yeah, they beat Philadelphia once, but it was Gardner Minshew. But still, and I'll be honest, as far as Gardner goes, all these Cowboys Nation members that were just totally burying Gardner, you know, literally crapping all over him and like saying, "Oh, he's nothing." I'm like, 
guys, seriously, have y'all have you like just not been studying what he had done already? Gardner Minshew is not at the level of the likes of Mahomes, Josh Allen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Gardner Minshew has earned his respect in this league. There's yeah, really I mean, no, there's no reason starter. to downgrade the guy. I mean, you're talking about the guys at the tip top with Mahomes and out. Let's make this clear. Minshew is, I wouldn't even put him at the level of Derek Carr or some of those guys. I think that Minshew could be a functional starter somewhere. He's capable, but he's obviously not great. But yeah, also talking about with the Cowboys and the great victories, their most standout victory might be the Bengals from week two. Obviously, Probably, yeah. that was a Bengals team that was kind of in disarray, particularly along the offensive line. And then you look, the Cowboys nearly blew it against the Texans. If it weren't for that <laughs> one goal line stand at the very end in that final oh. drive, they would have lost to a, a team that was probably the least talented in the NFL. One thing I'll give Lovey Smith is that the guys didn't quit on him. We saw them give it their best shot against the Cowboys than against the Chiefs. Obviously, they didn't pull either of them out, but, you know, that whole franchise is just an absolute circus at this point. I know that's a bit of a tangent, but back with the Cowboys, did have two victories over the Giants, who, well, they are a playoff team, but they were very up and down this year as well. Obviously, start out the year 6-1, and one, winning all those close games, and then reality kind of set in. Give Brian Dable some credit. He kind of steadied the ship, and they got it done when they needed to. But yeah, none of the Cowboys' victories really impressed me all that much. I mean, yeah, the Vikings game was a domination, but the Vikings are significantly worse than their 13-4 and four record suggests. I think we've kind of covered that. Their Vikings defense, particularly their secondary, was lousy. And, you know, Cousins is still not a guy I would trust to deliver when – the moment's big. Dalvin Cook wasn't quite what he used to be. Obviously, you got Justin Jefferson. He is great, but... I mean, you know, he was not of... there against Dallas. I mean, he had that one good catch, and then he was then he was gone. That was it. Yeah. You will see some of the most brilliant games out of Jefferson, and then the next week, you're just kind of like, where'd he go? It is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, that game against Buffalo. Yeah, man, I figured, yeah, against you know, because Minnesota was coming off that huge win in, in Buffalo. True, and he made one of the cat best catches of the season in that game to but keep one the Vikings of the best, alive. No, that, that was the best. <laughs> no, no, that was the best, my friend. Fair enough. And but I can honestly I, state that it, it definitely it, it definitely uh, out popularizes uh, Odell Beckham's uh, Junior's catch back in 2014. Yeah. Actually, I might put that one catch by Amon Ross St. Brown from Sunday up against that. Do you see that play in the fourth quarter where he like caught the ball with like one hand and then like 
the back of his thigh was crazy. <laughs> there are many unique ways to catch a football. That there is. Mm-hmm. But now, now going back to the Cowboys, look, I mean, it, 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 it's already, I mean, you know, some people would, would say to me, Alex or Bear Man or Bear of Texas, it's bad enough that's your, your Cowboys Nation's most mortal enemy. And I'm just like, if I am, well, well, good, because, you know, obviously, but we don't need to get into that because everybody knows, you know, my reputation. But at the end of the day, I'm just telling like it is because, you know, that's what I do. But look, there's that talent with Dallas, okay? But the problem is all these particular problems, I mean, they're right there. They're visible. They're right there in your face. But I don't, I, it, it just boggles my mind how most of these problems or majority of the problems, rather, just go – they don't get addressed. I mean, again – Kellen Moore, you know, with the old school conservative, you know, questionable play calling, you know, and Dak Prescott, you know, with the the habit of the interceptions, the running game not really being, you know, it could be good or it could be bad. The offensive line could be either good or really bad. I mean, the offense, either the offense can show up and be nearly perfect or it could be average to below average or it could just be like the worst offense we've ever seen. The same thing with the defense. So I don't know. We don't know which Cowboys team is showing up in Tampa. My gut feeling tells me that an a unprepared and arrogant team is going to show up. But if we see the total opposite, if Dallas actually wins in a very, very good manner, I'll definitely give the credit to where credit's due. But again, if what, what it's going to take for me to close my mouth and accept the fact that the Cowboys did something good, they got to make a deep run. I mean, with all this talent, I mean, there's, they have to make a deep run. Definitely. So, I mean... I mean, look, yeah, I'm not part of – I'm a Cowboy fan, but I'm not part of Cowboys Nation. But, no, I do want to see the Cowboys make a deep run. But based on how things go, how the team is operated and coached, it's hard to be convinced otherwise. I can definitely see why. I think the biggest key for a Dallas win is I got to get the run game going because we've seen this Tampa Bay defense get run on at times like their game against the Ravens. By the end, the Ravens were just pushing the Bucks off the ball. And, you know, with a reshuffled offensive line, if if Biotic is out and you've got to put McGovern at center and you're rolling with Jason Peters and Tyler Smith and then Tyron Smith at right tackle, you know, how that all goes, you know, it'll be interesting. It's not their best combination. Obviously, it would be ideal if Biotic could play. So, if you get that going, you keep the ball out of Brady's hands, I think that'll at least give them a chance. And, you know, we've seen Brady make some mistakes this year. You get a turnover, two on defense, I feel like Dallas will be in it. But obviously, they got to go out and get it done and until they do, my money is still on Brady. Again, out of everything you could discuss, I mean, the number one fact to keep an eye out, or to keep in mind, I should say, Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys. Now, I understand there's always a first time for anything, but, uh, I mean, what a moment would it be if Dallas were to finally, if Tom Brady were to lose to Dallas you know, in a playoff game. But again, I mean, the Cowboys are on the road, y'all. And, and going back to this game against Washington, 
let's be honest. We all knew there was no way New York was going to beat Philadelphia. You know that, right? Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I pretty much did. But, I mean, so, still, you so got to no try point. your damnedest to try and was, get the VIN because you got something to play for. Washington yeah. doesn't. Looked like the roles were reversed. I mean, that, that's why I really should say the Cowboys, the starters, shouldn't have been playing. I mean, maybe at first, yeah, but honestly, you know, the fact that the, the fact that the starters were pulled from the game with like five minutes left to go, I'm just like, wow. I mean, because I mean, going back to this game against Washington, I mean, the the fact that a, a punt malfunctioned at the very beginning already killed a lot of momentum, and then and then of course a muff punt, which I mean they didn't get washed in anywhere, but then that pick six and everything, I mean. Like, the Cowboys, they got to do this right before their big playoff game. I mean, seriously? Because let me tell you this. If Dallas loses to Tampa, do you know what I expect to happen the very next morning? You know, I expect it to be done by the next morning. But I would ex- I would personally expect it to be done immediately if the Cowboys were to lose, especially in a, in a, in a humiliating fashion. Do you know what I expect to happen? McCarthy gets the axe. Uh-huh, not only him, but Kellen Moore, too. And I know that Dan Quinn's very – I mean, Dan Quinn – can say all he wants that he is happy with Dallas, but if it comes to that, I'm sure that he was he would take the opportunity to go elsewhere. I mean, I'm sure the Denver. I kind of feel like the Denver Broncos are going to do anything they can to to get him to convince him to take the job. Hmm. That I'm not now, sure how great of a fit that would be, and it seems like they tried that sort of old school DC with Fangio, and it didn't work out well. I. I know this is a tangent about that, but with Russell Wilson, I think you got to bring in an offensive mind that's going to get him back on track. <laughs> now, would no, Dan Quinn be yeah. elevated to the head job in Dallas? Maybe. Uh, honestly, well, okay. So in this particular situation, if Dan, if so, if Mike McCarthy's fired and Moore's fired, I imagine more people are going to be fired too. I mean, it depends on who they bring in as the head coach. Now. I'd imagine now if imagine if miraculously Sean Payton becomes the, the 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 Cowboys head coach, which I would personally I would love for that to happen. But the reason you know why I, I don't think it's going to happen because, because what, Payton doesn't because, take crap from anyone. He'll do yeah. His Sean own Payton's thing. not a yes man, and Jerry Jones will not hire somebody that's not a yes man. So, I mean, if if miraculously it happened, then what what would be my, my reaction? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what they did. I mean, I don't know. What the hell happened? But if they if they convinced Sean Payne to take the job, then some would say, well, he was he was there before. I'm like, yeah, I know, but uh, Sean Payton has grown a lot as a coach since then. But if I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton personally, you know, spoke to Dan Quinn and said, yeah, I'll keep I'll keep you as my defensive coordinator because they do they do know each other very well. They you know back when Dan Quinn was the head coach of Atlanta. So they know each other very well. They they have some some history. So it wouldn't surprise me if Sean Payton wanted, you know, uh, basically had a desire to keep Quinn as defensive coordinator. But but again, I mean, but honestly, the, but then again, you know, thinking because if if Jerry Jones and, and his son Steven, I mean, are they really going to fire those two? But if Dallas shits the bed big time against Tampa and and they're badly humiliated, yeah, I definitely expect more and McCarthy to be fired immediately on the spot. I mean, if it was me, I'd probably be so mad at them. I would fire them. I would say, and you know what? You can book your own flight home. You're not flying back on the team plane. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is this this is considering the Dallas wins. I mean, excuse me, the Dallas loses. Now, if Dallas wins, 
But like, but by luck, I mean, if it's by luck, that's not going to tell me like, yeah, this luck, we're not going to see this in the divisional round. So, right, but right now, I feel like any, anything could happen. I mean, these are just these possible scenarios in certain situations. I mean, look, guys, don't get me wrong. Look, I get it. I'm not part of Cowboys Nation. I'm very critical of this team, but I don't. It's not like I don't want the team to win. I do want them to win, but with all these particular situations, how the team is, you know, that that that's just how I draw my conclusions. I'm not I'm not just trying to be. I'm not okay. So I'll never forget when one when one one of my when somebody commented saying I'm a lot like Stephen A. Smith, and somebody else commented saying, "No, Bear Man just simply tells it like it is. Stephen A. Smith just does it for the ratings and just does it for entertainment." I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I do. It, it's good to see some people really kind of understand where I'm coming from, but. Yeah, let's just be honest. Yeah, I, if you think I'm like Stephen A. Smith, fine. That's really your opinion. Me, I'm just myself. I mean, if people ask me, do I consider myself to be like him? I'm like, nope. I'm just, I just do my job. I went to school for this. This is my living. And I'm sure Stephen A. Smith is the same way. But for me, it's not just to be the, that guy. Hey, look at that. He's got the guts to destroy the Cowboys. Like, I'm just doing it because it's the truth. It's not, it's not really to make a name of myself at the Cowboys' expense. It really isn't. Right. My whole theory on Stephen A. Smith is basically he was brought in to be pretty much following Newtonian physics. You have Skip Bayless, who's hardcore cowboys, and for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So you get Stephen A. Smith. Granted, I kind of think Skip and Stephen A. were both kind of just characters by the end. I don't know how much of it was honestly real, but it's like you've said, ESPN. They're part sports, part entertainment. Take it all for what you will. Well, speaking of speaking of Skip Bayless, I mean, some of the fans here that love that, that love this show, they're not Cowboy fans. I mean, one of them actually said, uh, "I want, I, I wonder if you could be the guy that could piss Skip Bayless off more in, in a better way than Stephen A. Smith does." And I'm like, probably not, but I'm sure I could at least give Skip, I could give Stephen A. Smith a, a run for the money at least. Because I don't think anybody could piss off Skip Bayless more than Stephen A. Smith, but, uh, but I'm pretty sure that yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I could definitely drive the man crazy by being so critical of this team. But you know, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, being critical is not fun per se. I don't find it fun, but some, but you know, there's times you just have to be in that in that particular mood. Again, it's about telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, I just tell it like it is. And the Cowboys, and you know, tell it like it is, the Cowboys are really not as good as they look, in my honest opinion. They are not. Do I like saying that? No, but it, that that that's what's going on. <laughs> Indeed. So I think we've kind of covered this game at length. You want to talk about the other games on Wild Card Weekend? Sure. Uh, I think before, before we do, uh, should we give our final predictions for this game? Sure. I think it'll be relatively close, but give me the Buccaneers 20 to 17. Now, you know what? Now I'm really going to piss people off. I think Tampa Bay wins 31 to 10. I have a feeling Dallas, I have a feeling that Dallas is going to crap the bed big time. All right. That's bold. I mean, again, I mean, the last couple of weeks, the offense having problems, Dak Prescott, I mean, the de- the defense, I mean, 
it's almost as I mean, if that were to happen, it's almost as if it was expected to because of how bad we saw how bad it was against Washington, that game against Tennessee. I mean, that game against Philadelphia, and then, of course, that collapsing loss of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, that's just, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, yeah, let's go and take a look at the uh, – let's go, let's go ahead and take a look at the, uh, the other playoff games, my friend. All right. We'll start with the first one, which would be the Seahawks at the 49ers. 49ers took both meetings in the regular season. And we've seen it happen in the past decade and a half where a team beats another three times in a season. <laughs> we saw the Cowboys do it to the Eagles in, I think it was 09. We saw the Steelers do it to the Ravens in 08. We saw it, the Saints do it to the Panthers in 2017. And That's right. I think it happens again. You've got the 49ers, like I said earlier, Arguably the best roster in the NFL. They're, they've won 10 in a row. The Seahawks have really kind of faded off. I think the Geno magic is sort of fading away. And truly, I think the Lions would have given the Niners a better game. But, well, that's not how this sport works. Seahawks won the regular season meeting, so they go on. It is what it is, but yeah, I'm saying this is 25 plus point margin of victory for San Fran. Yeah, there's really no way San Francisco can lose this, can lose. But I will never forget when Seattle eliminated New Orleans that that long run by Marshawn Lynch. I think it was that 67 yard run. Sounds about right. Yeah, but let's be honest. San Francisco was not that Saints team that we saw when this happened. No. See, could, Seattle, could Seattle possibly, and I do say loose, and I do mean this term loosely, possibly pull off the huge major upset? You never know, but I let's be honest. We all know it's not going to happen. Can it happen? I mean, I guess it can. Will it happen? No. I mean, San Francisco just looks too good. It wouldn't surprise me if San Francisco ended up in the NFC Championship. I don't think many people would be surprised at that. But let's move on to the Saturday night cap, a game that I think very few expected, the Chargers and the Jaguars. The Jaguars ran roughshod on the Chargers in L.A. in Week 3, Fortunately, nobody watched it because nobody in L.A. cares about the Chargers. But all that to say. That's not true. <laughs> okay, okay, well, forgive me I mean, the 12 people that actually show up there. Com but compared to the Rams, obviously, the, the, char the Chargers are not. I mean, it's like this. In Los Angeles, you got the Rams, you got the Lakers, you got the Chargers, you got the Clippers. It's, it's in that particular situation. The, the majority of yeah. say this. I still think the Raiders and the Cowboys are probably more popular in L.A. than either of the two teams that are there. Probably, but yeah. again, another tangent. <laughs> Let's just get back into it right now. If, I'm pretty sure Joey Bosa will be back for this game. You've got Herbert, who's playing really well. And, you know... Brandon Staley, I know your man Venomous Stare had a field day on him 
some time ago, but mm-hmm. I think he's, while Staley is certainly a risk-taking head coach, I think he's kind of reeled it in a little bit and he's picked his spots a little bit better. I think the Jaguars, while they made significant strides this season, they're just not very consistent. You saw a very potent offense in that game against the Cowboys when Trevor Lawrence just came back throwing it all over the yard and Zay Jones had a career day. But then you watch the Jaguars against the Titans, their offense did next to nothing. And they won because of a strip sack that got returned for a touchdown at the very end. You know, Travis Etienne, he's a very electric playmaking type back, but he can't really be that between the tackles, pounding it over and over kind of guy. Jaguars, great second half run. Major credit to Lawrence and to Doug Peterson for what they've done. But I just think at this point in time, Herbert and the Chargers are just a little bit better, and I think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder from that week three game, and I think the Chargers get it done. I think maybe it'll be a close game, like 30-23, to 23, something like that. I agree. I really The way I kind of personally depict this game, I mean, a duel between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert – Two of the dudes have the potential of being, you know, the, the the future the future of the of the NFL. I mean, as far as the Jaguars go, the fact that the last couple of years, I mean, at one point, you know, they were the worst team in the league back, you know, when, when we had that, you know, that season, you know, you know, that was riddled with the the whole lockdown, uh, the whole lockdown deal, and then last year, you know, d- didn't really improve, but you know, they go from one and fifteen, and then I think they were like thirteen and fourteen last year, and then. Uh, uh, what what was the record? What was the record they finished with this year? Is it nine and eight or eight and nine? Yeah, they were nine and eight. Nine and eight. Okay, and and they and they win and they win the division. Now, of course, everybody says that that, that division, uh, the AFC South, right? Yeah, I mean it's not yeah. very good. I mean, yeah, the they say it, it became it became the good. new NFC East. Like, yeah, it kind of did. The Colts fell apart with quarterback issues. Jonathan Taylor was. In and out of the lineup, Frank Wright got canned in the middle of the year, and then you had the Titans, who looked pretty good through 10 games, and then quarterback injuries got the better of them. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, so, yeah, I I really – I see Los Angeles getting it done. I really see, like – I think sometime between, like, I would say that the first three quarters of the game are definitely going to be competitive, but I believe that in the fourth quarter, the Chargers are going to basically do something huge. Jacksonville is not going to be able to recover. Then, then Los Angeles just Los Angeles just takes the ball and, and runs away. Could happen. I mean, we know that there's a film Escape from L.A., but I think in the Chargers' case, it's going to be Escape to L.A. with the win. Could be. Well, this game isn't this game isn't Jacksonville, right? Yes, it is. Because okay, so, now, if it was the other way around, and if Jacksonville, if, if Jacksonville was a whole lot better than they looked, and the Chargers, it was the opposite, I would definitely, particularly, name this scenario: if Jacksonville were to win, and if it was in LA, I would say escape from LA. But 
Yeah, I think I think the charge the charges are pretty much solidified. I mean, with Bosa coming back, that should be a boost, but you never I think know. it'll be a major boost for him. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league when he is healthy. Unfortunately for him, he's not the best with the name Bosa. Nope, he's not. That would be his brother up up in San Francisco. Indeed. Moving on, we got the Sunday games. We're going to start with <laughs> Miami, Miami at Buffalo. I presume Tua is not going to be in the lineup again. And while the two regular season meetings were pretty close between these two teams, I think Buffalo should roll in this one. Is this game in Buffalo, by the way? Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see. Yeah, bu- Buffalo, no, no doubt. I, I think we don't even know who's going to be starting a quarterback for Miami. Unless, right. un, 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 yeah, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, I doubt it's, it's going to be Tua. I mean, I, don't, I mean, okay, I got to ask, what, what's the, what did Teddy Bridgewater, what kind of injury did he suffer now? Oh, dang. I don't, I thought it was like rib or wrist. I don't quote me on that, but. Well, he's not yeah, playing, right? I don't know yet. I feel like either, either, I mean, well, didn't Miami actually pull off, uh, didn't actually Miami pull out one of the wins in, in the regular season against Buffalo? Yeah, they did in week three. Yeah. That was one of the weirdest games I've seen. Buffalo looked like they were going to win, but they just kind of ran out of time at the end. And you also saw the infamous butt punt where the Dolphins punter punted the ball, started the back of his end zone, had to get rid of it quickly, and it went right into another player's rear end. Never seen that before. Well, of course, that game, uh, Tua, Tua got hurt, and then a few days later, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but Buffalo can't lose this game. And it, I, there's really probably no way they they probably there's no way they will. Right. So second game on Sunday is going to be the Giants at the Vikings. This might not go over well with some of your people here, but I got the Giants winning this game. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it probably won't go well with uh, my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Steve Adams, who of course is part of, is part of the, uh, part of the internet FC inner circle with you, uh, with you and Mr. David Scappin up in beautiful Canada uh, I mean, I, I got to be honest. I mean, he's very much almost like me when it comes to you know to, to the Vikings. Although the 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 argument starts, I mean, okay, not an argument because it doesn't get heated. I mean, I would say a, a football debatable argument. Like when I'm so critical of the Cowboys, when I say the Cowboys haven't done anything, and then of course he reminds me the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. They've been a four but never won it. I'm like, yeah, the Cowboys have the five titles, but when was the last time the Cowboys even won the title? So. So, I mean, of course, I mean, Cowboys fans can obviously have a bit of an advantage over the Viking fans. But then again, it's really no advantage at all because the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in, in a very long time. So, uh, I mean, picking the Giants is to some people, that's probably the dumbest pick ever. But I don't think it is. I mean, in your case, it's part it's, it's part of the, in my case, really, it's part of the job. But even in a serious fan perspective, like you, my friend, you know, you're the fiercely opinion, Mr. Josh McSwain. It's a judgment call, and we're required to make more judgment calls than we feel like, and not only in American football, but in soccer as well. 
So I feel like you're definitely making a judgment call, and I feel like it's a realistic judgment call because the Giants can certainly pull it off. Yeah, but, I mean, the game they played on Christmas Eve, that was a nail-biter. You saw um, Daniel Jones play pretty well. He made some plays thrown to Slayton, and Isaiah Hodges, I think, was a guy who really emerged. Obviously, he got Saquon. They all were taking the week off against Philadelphia. They'll come back. They'll be fresh, and I think – this will be a close game, but finally the Vikings' luck will run out. I think <laughs> it's like 24-20 Giants. Could you imagine the Giants win this game and then Dallas loses? Well, I mean, I can imagine it's what I think will happen. <laughs> yeah, then I'll be and I'll be right and I'll be right here talking about it too. Uh, Indeed. And I, mean, in the I, last I, I have I have Minnesota's my pick. But you you can't count out the Giants, no. Because can't. we we don't which, which Minnesota it's like the Cowboys. Which Minnesota team is going to show up? Which Kirk Cousins are we going to see? You know, right? Yeah, it's definitely a game where anything can happen. But but I got Minnesota. But I'm 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 refusing to count out the Giants. That's fair. And then to cap it off, we got. Ravens at the Bengals for the second week in a row. I'm going to roll with the Bengals because the Ravens quarterback situation is a total mystery to me right now. Don't know if Lamar is going to be healthy. And his whole future with the organization seems up in the air. It's um, it's kind of crazy, honestly. But you look at the Bengals, they lost four games this season. Three of them were on field goals on the game's final play. This Bengals team is very good, but they're kind of thin along the offensive line right now. Of course, they weren't very good at the offensive line last year, and they nearly won the Super Bowl. Bengals... Their talent on the outside, I think, is unmatched by anyone. Not even the Chiefs have the same level of talent at receiver that the Bengals do. The Chiefs' options on the outside might be kind of somewhat deeper. They might have more of them, but you just look at – I'll take the Bengals in terms of just sheer talent with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, two arguably top ten receivers in the NFL, both of them right now. Then you have Tyler Boyd who can sneak in and make big plays on you. The biggest concern I'd have for the Bengals is their run game has been lousy this season. Fortunately for them, they've been able to get by with just great passing attack, got pretty solid defense. I just, I wonder for the Ravens though, if it's time for a change there. John Harbaugh's obviously been a very good coach, but sometimes good coaches just kind of plateau, and I'm starting to wonder if that's what's happened up there. He's been there for a long time. Yeah, I think since 2008. Obviously, he had a very successful tenure. I think he's a very good coach, but, yeah, I don't know if that organization might need to, you know, 
make a change and get a fresh voice in there. Not saying it will happen, but we've obviously seen what happens when organizations hang on to coaches too long, like the Bengals and Marvin Lewis. I think even though Marvin Lewis had a good tenure with the Bengals, I think he was there a few years too long. But, you know, again, that's another offseason hypothetical. Even though they, the Ravens have done a great job building through the draft and still have very good defense, I just think the Bengals pull this one out. Maybe like 27-17. Definitely see it like that. I mean, even if Lamar Jackson does does come back, I mean, he hasn't played for a while, hasn't practiced. I mean, the, the fact that he'll be rusty, yeah. Yeah. Give me Cincinnati. Right. And I guess I'm just going to briefly go through what I have predicted for the rest of the playoffs. Just want to get this out while I can. So, obviously – Contingent upon my wild card round picks in the AFC in the divisional round, I'm going to go with the Bills over the Bengals. This, I think we deserve a matchup between these two in the divisional, obviously, with the situation surrounding their Monday night game last week. I really hope that these two get to show what they got against one another. I think it'd be a really good matchup when you've got that potent Bengals offense going against Leslie Frazier's defense. The Bills, I think if you look top to bottom, are probably the most talented team in the AFC. People might question their pass rush with the injury to Von Miller. Von Miller does lead the team in sacks, but their defensive pass rush win rate has actually gone up a little bit since he was hurt. So you got good guys with Gregory Russo, AJ Spensa up in there. I still think they can be disruptive. And against a weakened Bengals offensive line and with this game in Buffalo, assuming of course it happens, I got the Bills taking it. Then you'd have a round three between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Obviously, those two teams have played a lot over the years, and Kansas City just keeps finding ways to pull it out. It could go one way or the other, but don't be surprised if the Chargers pull off the upset here. It's a game that could go either way. The Chiefs, right now, their biggest concern has to be taking care of the ball. They just looked lackadaisical in some of their games to close the year. Their game in Houston had a couple of key turnovers that kept the Texans in the game. Their game at Denver made some mistakes. It seems at times like the Chiefs play to the level of the competition, and you can't get away with that in the playoffs. Their biggest problem is that they don't have that guy who can take the top off of the defense. Obviously, you got Travis Kelsey who can – make plays, and Juju Smith-Schuster who can keep the chains moving. The thing about the Chiefs offense is that they have so many options that you at a certain point just can't defend all of them. 
you can't double Travis Kelsey because you got to go think about, okay, there's Kadarius, Tony, and Jarek McKinnon over there. So we got to do something over here. Obviously, you can't double Juju. You just got to be like, okay, we just got to try and keep them from beating us over the top, which without Tyreek Hill has been easier. And for the Chiefs, they got to execute in the red zone. That's going to be their big thing. Their red zone defense has kind of struggled this year, though it's kind of gotten better as it's gone on. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be a key for them. If he can get the ball into the end zone and make and keep defenses honest with that, that's going to really determine whether they can go the long, the distance, get back to the Super Bowl. But I just don't have faith that it'll happen. I think that the Bills are going to make it back to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Now, in the NFC, divisional round, I got the Eagles taking on the Giants for the third time. And once again, I got the Eagles winning. And then I have the 49ers who will be hosting the Buccaneers. And once again, I got San Francisco winning. Now, the interesting thing about the Eagles and the Niners is that they kind of come into the postseason going different directions. Obviously, the Niners are the hottest team in the NFL right now. But they also kind of give me vibes of the 2013 Broncos or the 2009 Chargers, these teams that came in on double-digit game-winning streaks and then went one and done. Obviously, I don't think the Niners are going to be one and done, as I have said, but you get these teams that go on these great runs. They don't typically last in the NFL just because there's so many different things that could happen in an NFL game that eventually things just kind of catch up to you at a certain point. So that's why I have the 49ers losing in the NFC championship game in Philadelphia. There are people who are going to talk about the Eagles and their injuries, which is a valid concern. You don't know how healthy Jalen Hurts really is at this point. Obviously, they're hoping to get Lane Johnson back in that divisional round game, which would be crucial for them. But keep in mind that we've seen these teams who were great throughout the season then kind of dipped right at the very end, still go on to win the Super Bowl. Teams that come to mind with that are the 06 Colts and the 09 Saints and even the 2017 Eagles. Yeah. People were doubting all those teams, but then they came out in the playoffs. They were on a mission. They got it done. They got it done, yeah. Yep, so I got Buffalo, Philadelphia going on in the Super Bowl, and – I think it really will be a sensational game. Well, in that case, I, I got Buff. I got Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, the biggest back- concern <laughs> that I would have with Buffalo is is the turnovers. Like Josh Allen has turned the ball over in the red zone an uncharacteristically high amount, and the way he runs with the ball is also a little bit concerning to me. Obviously, I get it that his legs are a major facet of the Bills' offense. Devin Singletary 
fortunately for the Bills, was their leading rusher. And the one-two duo of them has been pretty good. I also think the Bills are going to need another receiver to step up other than Stefan Diggs. Obviously, Gabriel Davis was supposed to be the guy, well, the other guy this year, as you might say. He has had some very good games, but a lot of games where he just sort of didn't make a huge impact. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Dawson Knox? Who is going to be the guy that really steps up? So, again, this is the playoffs where anything can happen, but I'm just – I just got an inkling toward Philadelphia taking it home again, but, you know, the great thing about this playoffs is that no team is – that much better than any of the rest we we've got a big five that people have talked about with eagles niners Bengals, bills chiefs one of those five probably takes it home and i would say the chargers are my dark horse that could cause a disruption but yeah this will be one of the most interesting postseasons i think we've seen in a long time definitely so i think we got all bases covered anything else you want to say um, no, I think that just about covers it. All right. Well, let's tell the folks so they can find you, my friend. Right. So I have kind of been slumping on Twitter lately, but you can find my handle Joshua D McSwain. Might be posting some hot takes about the playoffs. And also, after the NFL's over and get some football from north of the border, check out TGAG Pod. I'll be updating that with news about Edmonton Elks and other CFL news when the time comes with that. And I'm also interested to see. What happens when the XFL comes? I'll think I'll be talking about that more on my personal account. All things football. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I remind you that Cowboy Stock is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's at Bearman of Texas, but just TX. You don't need to spell it out. That's my personal page. You can also find the Bear of Texas podcast Twitter account as well, where coverage is well done on both particular accounts. So please, please, please follow and please subscribe to the show. Josh, thank you again for joining me, and I cannot wait to have you on again soon. Yep, thanks again for inviting me on. I enjoyed it. All right, we'll see everybody later.